Hello, and welcome back to another podcast from With Love from Seattle. Today's podcast is all about thriving motherhood. So here's the truth about it. It's exhausting, inspiring, soul-sucking, and purpose-giving. It makes you question everything you think you knew about being a parent, while also somehow instinctively knowing how to be a mom. I went into labor with nothing prepared, except to listen to my body that reminded me to notice my breath and to push with each contraction and nothing more. I recall this practice because I do it so readily during therapy sessions with clients and outside of the therapy room. And I recall that with each breath, my body tends to feel more relaxed and at ease. So I said, why not just try breathing? This made the process of labor that much easier. And I strongly recommend the practice of deep breathing for your labor experience. Research has found and it's taught us that breathing exercises with deep inhalation and exhalation in pregnant women are effective in reducing the perception of labor pain and shortening the duration of the second stage of delivery. I have never told my story about labor, so today I want to include you in one of the most exhilarating experiences I lived. Labor was a wild and crazy experience. The moments leading up to meeting Celine felt numb, yet motivating, exhausting, yet hopeful, scary, and so, so grateful. Upon giving birth, Selim was placed directly on my chest. And within a few seconds, she was removed and rushed into the incubator. I was really confused and I didn't know what was happening. I soon found out that my baby had difficulty breathing. I held on to my breath for some time before telling my husband to stay with Selim and not to even think for a second to worry about me. I noticed that his eyes were scared and he felt a sense of uncertainty, as did I. Yet he embraced his fears in hopes to protect his daughter. Shortly thereafter, my intuition spoke and I quietly whispered that she would be okay. Reconnection felt like an eternity. Separation was not a part of my plan and hope escaped me with each passing minute. I asked myself, when will I get to see Celine? And the doctor overheard me and they said, it may take a few hours. A few hours, my God. I anxiously and desperately waited for the hours to pass. My body shook and it trembled. I desperately wanted to hold my girl in my arms. Six hours passed that morning in isolation, and COVID really didn't help. Eventually, we received the green light. We rushed out of the hospital bed, popped onto a wheelchair, and made our way down the hospital hallway into a separate room where Celine was under careful watch. At this point, I couldn't silence my tears any longer. I saw her fragile and strapped to a machine and I started to bawl and hyperventilate. A stream of tears just poured from my eyes. I had very little energy to pick myself up from the wheelchair 
So instead, I demanded that my husband bring me closer to her. And if I could do anything, it was just to hold on to her. So she took her little hand and wrapped it tightly around my pointer finger. And I just spoke to her. And not a second passed where my eyes were not glued onto her. We were told at that moment that Celine may need to remain isolated for the remainder of the day. I was in absolute disbelief and I refused to accept that my daughter would be separated from me within for the whole day. So all I could do is convert my fear into faith. And so I prayed and I prayed and I held onto her arms and her tiny little hand and I just massaged my fingers with hers. Somehow, miraculously, two hours of being seated right before her in that machine. The doctor proclaimed that Celine's breath has been normalized. And I sat there and I wondered as to why. And then I remembered something so important, which is the through the lens of attachment. Survival is dependent upon a biological ability to sense and to respond to its environment. Validation for using the sense of touch for healing has not only been proven to be so effective, but it's actually helped us touch receptors to the nervous system. And through these receptors, we can influence the automatic nervous system, which controls all of the automatic functions in the body. I'd like to tell you that motherhood is not dandelions nor butterflies. Most of the time, it is a lot of emotional and mental and physical hard work and effort. 10 to 15% of women experience postpartum depression. Have we ever wondered why? Well, let's look at it for a few reasons. Women with new babies are often in isolation, recovering from childbirth. Their lives are no longer based on regular schedules but rather it's wrapped up about feeding their babies, making sure they're breathing. Moms, you know, you know this very well. Like how is my child sleeping for 20 hours straight? And so you lower your ear close to their, to their uh, mouth and you listen, watch their chest rise and fall. And you're like, okay, okay. I can, I can breathe for a moment longer. Women with new babies are often in isolation. Their lives are no longer based on regular schedules and separation has been found to be a predictor of postpartum depression. A loss of identity is also formed during the first few years of this child's life. I cannot stress enough the importance of checking up, validating and supporting our mothers. And it breaks my heart when I say this out loud because I think of my mom and her mom, Allah my grandmother, and all of our moms before our time. They never had the resources that we do now, nor could they have ever voiced their concerns or need for a support or assistance because it presented as shameful or a sense of, sense of sorrow or a sense of um, weakness. I want to remind us that it is simply never acceptable to assume that a mother will just figure it all out. In fact, I need to let you know that this belief 
is detrimental to the well-being of a mother and it can have lasting negative impacts on her newborn as well. A mother's hormones during pregnancy and after birth may significantly affect her mood in both positive and negative ways. During this exciting and challenging time, it is so vital to the new mom's well-being to stay connected with her spouse, partner, and her loved ones. While she focuses on nurturing her baby, she needs to be intentional about making time for other parts of her life that can also be nurtured too. So we're not loomed and doomed. There's always strategies around us. And here are six strategies that work personally for me. And I continue to share them throughout my therapy sessions to which a lot of moms have reported have been helpful. So the first one is please ask for help. I remember the first time I tried to ask for help. I felt so embarrassed. I asked anyways, but it just settled so differently within me. I knew if I didn't ask, I would eventually resent the people that claimed to love me. And then I had to sit there and remind myself, they're not mind readers. Nobody knows what I need except for myself. Even if I'm dismissing of my needs, I still need to check in and be honest with myself. Because there's nothing heroic about suppressing what's important to us in order to appease unrealistic expectations. Number two, emotions will ebb and flow. It's important to note that emotions of grief and loss are absolutely inevitable. These emotions, they only define this moment in time. They do not need to extend to the entire experience of postpartum. The third one is say no. Boundaries are absolute key to healing. During postpartum, you may experience feeling overwhelmed to accommodate visitations. Remember that you have every right and full permission to decline invitations to preserve your energy and healing. A lot of new moms, including myself, felt the pressure to impress family and friends while neglecting the need to have space for some quiet time in order to heal. Number four, stop comparing. See around us, especially on social media, it seems like people have it all together. Great hair, instant weight loss, well-behaved children, a clean house, and everything else that you are feeling insecure about at this moment in time. Rather than comparing, let's start to normalize our own experience. Number five, practice kindness. Don't try to fake it to make it. This never works, not in the long term anyway. Motherhood is filled with anxiety-ridden thoughts and guilt. And rather than shaming the, your range of emotions, simply allow them to exist. If your emotions somehow make those around you feel uncomfortable, it is not an invitation for you to dismiss those emotions, but rather set some boundaries. If they can't assist you, they're not meant to, 
but you can always ask for some space in order to heal. And number six, which is one of my favorites, convert fear into faith. And here's a simple prayer for you. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. My final thoughts are be in the present moment. When we are anxious or worried, our minds tend to drift away with concern about the future. If you feel activated in your body, it can help to exhale a little bit longer or close your eyes and envision something that brings you a sense of peace and calm. And when you open them, try to reorient your surroundings, meaning the moment that you are in and not the future one. If you found today's podcast helpful, please feel free to share that with me and of course share it with a friend. Until next time, with love and take care.